In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Twenty twenty, twenty twenty two has not been very kind so far. My friend died of throat cancer. Brian was funny. He loved his wife, his dog, his family, God, and the Buffalo Bills. Not necessarily in that order. I prayed for him. I prayed cancer would be eradicated in his body. I prayed, we believed, me and others, we believed, we stood on faith, we stood on the promises of God. Brian was a relatively new believer, maybe like seven or eight years. I so wanted him and his family to see the power of God. I wanted his healing to be a witness for his Buddhist son and his friends. I wanted a bona fide, no other explanation, God is powerful miracle to witness to those around him. I wanted my friend to remain on earth longer so we could laugh together. I didn't want his wife, my very dear friend Cindy, to experience grief because I knew how much she loved Brian. I prayed, I believed, I had faith. But on January 6th at 10.30 p.m., Brian went peacefully home to be with Jesus. And I know Brian is in heaven. I know his faith was real. I know seeing Jesus face to face. I know he is completely healed as he worships. But why? Why God? Why wasn't he healed? Your word promises that by your stripes we are healed. Why? You said if I ask anything according to your will, I can have it. You promise, Lord. Why? I have seen, I have seen cancer healed miraculously I have seen God show up at the last minute so why why Brian why not this time the tickets were purchased Wake County Schools calendar matched perfectly so that I could have a four-day excursion with my daughter I was so excited. She's my best friend. She had a concert, she had a Christmas concert, and she sang the song, I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. And I watched it from Holly Springs. And she cried in Ottawa and I cried in Holly Springs. Because I wanted to see her so badly for Christmas. As the trip approached, my husband kept asking, do you think you would really be able to go? And my response was the same. I'm going to see my daughter. Due to Omicron, flights were being canceled and delayed around the world, but I was determined I was going to Canada. Omicron is raging, but I'm going to see my child. Canada went, Canada went in lockdown, sending my daughter home to work well 
That's okay. We'll just have more time together when I'm there. Restaurants and shops closed in Canada. That's okay. We can make a great big old pot of gumbo and we'll just sit home and we will just be in each other's com company. CDC places Canada on the list of places to avoid because of Omicron. That's okay. The CDC has been wrong in the past. I'm going to see my child. Canada Air cancels my flight. I'm not going to Canada. I'm not going to see my child. Why, Lord? Why two years later are people still dying from this stupid disease? Why, why, Lord, why is this disease still in dreams and plans? Why is it still in time with my family? Why are we still divided over it? Why is it still keeping our families apart? I know, I know my child is safe, and I'm so thankful that this disease has not stolen any of my family. But why can't I just go see my child? I'm disappointed. My heart aches. I want to hug my daughter. Lord, you said you would give us the desires of our heart. You said if we would speak to the mountain, we could cast it into the sea. I've spoken to this disease. I've spoken to this mountain, and it is not budging. Why? It's Saturday morning, and I read my email. And I notice I have an email from the denomination of the church that holds my ordination as pastor. It reads, Dear congregate, we are having a meeting to discuss the pastor's extended sabbatical. My heart dropped. Those pastors were not Leah and Josh, by the way. <laughs> my heart dropped, and a flood of emotions overwhelmed me confusion, sadness, disappointment, fear, grip, grief, all gripped my heart simultaneously. As a group of believers, we had just experienced this two years ago. Why in the world was this happening again? What is going on? And although I'd stepped away from this congregation a few months ago, they're still my family. I still love the pastors of the church. I have the utmost respect for their leadership. I'm de devastated. I attend the meeting. I sit in the back with all of my emotions. Anger, confusion, disappointment, disillusion, sadness, you name a negative emotion, and I was feeling it. As the district leader, another woman who I truly respect, as she talked, all I heard was wah, 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 like Charlie Brown. All I understood was that the pastors had resigned in the middle of controversy, and accusations. My heart dropped into my stomach. No, I thought. How could this be happening again? Lord, where was my discernment? I felt blindsided by the Lord. I felt responsible because I had advocated for this couple to be hired. I felt remorse because I love this couple and my heart is aching for them. I felt angry that we were back in this situation again. Why can't pastors get it together? <laughs> Lord, your word says that grace teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. Why aren't we as pastors just saying no? You said you had a promise for this church, so why, Lord? Why again? 
Why? Where is the healing? Where's the fruit? Where's the maturity? Why are we here again? How much more can this body of believers take, I ask? The church hurt I experienced in 2019 came flooding back. How can I trust pastors? How can I trust myself? What's to stop me from going off the rails? What's to stop me from losing it? What is to prevent me from, from, from doing things that I shouldn't do? I cannot trust leadership. So you know what? I'll just stay home. <laughs> I'll stay away from church, away from Christians. It'll just be me and my husband and the one child I have left. A little bit dramatic. I'm disappointed, I'm hurt, I'm confused, I'm angry, I am sad, I am struggling with my faith. Here it is, Lord. I'm laying it on the table. I told you it was raw. No. <laughs> Church, have you ever felt like this? Have you prayed? Believe, stood, trusted, and still the marriage ended? The loved one died? The job ended? Has someone you held in high esteem disappointed you? I feel like I know the answer to this last question. Has the church, the place where you should feel the most safe, hurt you? I think it's interesting that's been the theme this morning of church hurt because that's where I am. Have you ever been disappointed? And has that disappointment left you guarded, less trusting, jaded, bitter this morning we want to just lay that disappointment on the table we want to give it to him we want to walk away this morning perhaps not completely healed but I want you to have a plan for healing and can I just be completely total totally honest with you this morning I am not healed I wish I, I could stand before you and say, hey, I've walked through this. I know how to get through it. Just follow me and we'll do it. That's not my message this morning to you. My message to you this morning is that I am hurt. I am healing. But I am walking toward healing. I am walking toward wholeness. And I am asking you. To because we don't have to do this alone. Turn with me to John 11. I left my Bible at home this morning. My friend Kim sitting in the back, part of my entourage. She's letting me use the Bible, so I'm sorry. Please bear with me. I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> this is who we are. And if I can't be raw with my family, where can I be raw? I don't know if it's just my teaching gift or just the way I'm wired, but when I'm struggling, I'm like, God, I, I need a word from you. 
I need, I need a word that will help me walk through this. And most of this was written, actually, at work. Um, we have to give those standard, stupid standardized tests and we can't do anything, we can't read, we can't do anything. And I just sat down and I just started writing. Because it was just so heavy on my heart, I had to get it out. And then Leah texted me, she said, when, are, when, what are you preaching? I was like, hey, <laughs> I think I just wrote a sermon. <laughs> but part of my teaching gift is I'm just constantly saying, Lord, give me something to walk through this. And what he gave me to walk through this was the story of Mary and Martha. So if you can turn with me to John 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who was to come into this world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus, had, okay. <laughs> now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her notice how quickly she got up and went out they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled where have you laid him he asked come and see Lord they replied Jesus wept. Then, Jesus, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For, there, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of the Lord? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When, when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out 
his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I'm sorry. I feel like these two women experienced a profound disappointment. Let me give you a little background here. Jesus, as you probably know, was good friends with these women and their brother. So when Martha sent for Jesus, she said, Master, the one you love is sick. There was a relationship. We all know they knew of the good things that that Jesus had done, but there was an expectation that he would come when he was called to them. I like to put it like this. We all know that Oprah Winfrey is very generous. We all know this. But we have no expectation, or at least I don't. I don't have any expectation that she's going to be generous to me. But I have an expectation that God will be good to me. I'm his child. I'm his daughter. So they were his friends. So they had an expectation that when they called, Jesus would come. Let's look at some of the things Jesus had done before here. Before this happened, um, he had healed so many people. By this time, Jesus had uh, healed someone who had a legion of evil spirits, Peter's mother-in-law, a leper, a paralytic, paralytic, a lame man. He had raised the widow's son from the dead. He healed Jazarus' daughter. He had healed Jazarus' daughter, a woman bleeding, and a multitude of others. He had also healed a non-Jewish man with the word. So he didn't even have to come to Mary and Martha. He could have spoken a word from where he was and brought healing. So when the healing didn't come, they had to have been disappointed. Jesus could heal. He had demonstrated it. He loved them. But they couldn't understand why. Why didn't he come when they needed him? I feel the pain. Are my glasses? <laughs> they're on my face. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I feel like my glasses are not on, but they're not on my head. So how did Mary and Martha walk through this disappointment? That's what I've been looking at. And I want to model my life like Mary and Martha. How do we model that? How do we walk through profound disappointment when God doesn't do what we think he should do when we think he should do it? Because that's really what disappointment is. Is God not yielding to my time frame and my desires? (laughs) So how do we walk through that? And the first thing I want you to do is I want you to invite Jesus into your fields. It's okay to feel your feels. Mary and Martha grieved the loss of their brother. They cried. They mourn. When we were first going through this with, with my previous church, I called one of the, the guys who was on the council, and we were talking, and he said to me, he said, I have been so sad, and I've been crying. And he said, I know, he put it in such a way, he says, I know as church people we should have joy, but I'm sad. And I was like, sadness is not the opposite of joy. Do not believe the lie as Christians, as people who love God, that we don't mourn. The Bible says we mourn, but we mourn with hope. What does first, I think I have it up there. 
First, that's uh, that word, Thessalonia. Four, uh, four and 14. Where's my little monitors here, my little cheat sheet? Okay, thank you, because I need my little cheat sheet. First, Thessalonians 4 and 14 says this. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you, that we who are still alive, I, that doesn't sound right. Let me read it from here. <laughs> Beloved brothers and sisters, we want you to be quite certain about the truth concerning those who have passed away so that you won't be overwhelmed with grief, grief like many others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring Jesus, will bring with Jesus, those who died while believing in him. Now, I know the scripture is talking about physically dying, but God is the resurrection. So even in our situations, when our situations die, when we have disappointments, we don't grieve as someone without hope. We have joy because we have hope. The opposite of joy is actually, look it up, it's despair. It's hopelessness. As Christians, as believers, we should never be in despair. We should never be hopeless because our hope is in Jesus. But it's okay to cry. It's okay to mourn. Jesus wept. We just read it. And Jesus was the strongest, physically strongest human the world has ever known. For him to endure the cross with such grace, he had to be emotionally and physically strong, yet he cried. We don't mourn like those who have no hope. When my father passed away, my sister was getting on my nerves, okay? So <laughs> now, she was, she was walking around, oh Lord, we're orphans, we're just orphans. And I'm like, Will somebody shut her up or give her a dictionary <laughs> to add context to that? My father was 94 years old when he died. <laughs> All of us, I'm the youngest. She's 20 years older than I am. And I'm like, we are not orphans. Come on. <laughs> but she was grieving. I have a tendency to not want people to grieve a certain way. I want you to grieve the way I want you to grieve. So I'm just saying, don't be like me. But it's okay to feel your feels, but just grieve with hope. Grieve knowing that this is not the end. Mary and Martha didn't understand what was going on, but they had hope. They had hope that their brother would be in the resurrection. They had no concept for him being raised right there, but they had a hope. I don't know what's going on in my life right now. I don't know what's going on with the church, but I have a hope because I have a promise. What if we grieved like Jesus? Go to the next slide. Jesus said this in 1114 when he found out when his, his disciples questioned him, he said, it's a good thing that I was not there when Lazarus died. Because all things, because um, he said the disappointment is another opportunity to see Jesus and learn to trust in him. I want you to say that with me. Can we just declare that today? We're going to say this together. Declare it. Say it. Read it. This disappointment is another opportunity to see Jesus, who Jesus is, and learn to trust him more. 
That's what your disappointment is. Your disappointment is, is yes, we cry, we're sad, we mourn, but we mourn with hope. We mourn with the knowledge that we will know Jesus better after this. We will experience more of his love after this. We will have a greater revelation of who he is after this. I was listening to a sermon this morning before I came, and it was talking about when uh, Jesus, uh, when the, the, the disciples were in the storm and the boats was tossed to and fro. They had, a, they had never seen Jesus walk on water before. They got another opportunity to see the glory of God in the middle of a storm. In the middle of your storm, just look for Jesus. Look for a greater revelation of who he is when you're in the middle of the storm. It's okay to feel your fears. In my sadness, one morning I was just crying out to God. And God said something to me. He said, Melissa, be still and know that I am God. And I looked at God and I was like, that's all you got? Because I need a little bit more than that. And he spoke to me and he said, this is some of the things that I want you to know. But most importantly, what, what stuck with me the most is when he said this, no, I am weeping with you. God's heart is broken by the things we see as well. God's heart is broken because I can't see my daughter. God's heart is surely broken because of what's happening at the church where I, I was. His heart is breaking. He's crying with us. It's okay to feel your feels. Number two, invite Jesus into your disappointment. John, John 11 and 21. Let's see if I can find that in this Bible. That's not mine. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you see Martha was wrestling with Jesus? Can you see that? Do you picture that? I can hear the implied why. That may make you uncomfortable to ask God why. The things, the questions that I asked God earlier, that may make you uncomfortable if you grew up with the theology to be terrified of God. Or if you believe that, you know, God is all powerful. You cannot, you should question him. But I believe God is my father. He's my friend. He said, my friends know what I'm doing, so I feel comfortable going to God in times of despair, in times when I'm hurting and saying, God, why? I feel comfortable wrestling with God. I think Martha was wrestling with God. They knew him as a friend. They knew him as a healer, so they could not reconcile this God who they knew to be their friend, this God that they had seen heal. They couldn't reconcile the fact that he did not heal their brother. They asked him, why? That seems so callous of God to just not come. I mean, just think about it. If, if my son, if I were in Canada and my son was homesick, and I called Leah and I said, Leah, my son needs medicine. Can you take him medicine? And she shows up four days later 
after my son is in the hospital, I'd be a little angry with her. I mean, come on. What were you doing that you couldn't take the time to pray for someone you loved? And it seemed callous. They didn't understand the bigger picture of what Jesus was doing, but they were hurt by it. So they wrestled with God. And this week I have wrestled, this month I have wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob was between his, he had the, the, his father-in-law had misused him. He had lived with his father-in-law for 20 years. His father-in-law had cheated him. And so he, that door had closed. He couldn't go back to his father-in-law. And he was going back home, but he was scared to go home because he thought the brother that he cheated wanted to kill him. And so he stood in between those two places, not being able to go back, not being able to go forward. And he wrestled with God there. And that's what I felt like. I can't go back there. I'm scared to move forward. I'm just wrestling with God. God, show me something. Tell me something. And, but see, it's in that place of wrestling with God, we get to know him. Have you ever seen a wrestling match? It's intimate. You can't wrestle with someone without touching them. So when we wrestle with God, we're touching heaven. We're saying, God, I am bringing you. We're bringing it to the table. I'm bringing you my hurts. I'm bringing you my fears. I'm bringing you my confusion. I need you, Lord. And it is in those moments when we're wrestling with God that God can speak a word to us that change our lives. It is in those moments when, when Jacob wrestled with God, God changed his name. Think about the profoundness of that. When he wrestled with God, Jacob walked away with a greater revelation of who God was. Jacob walked away instead of this is the God of my father to this is my God. That's what happens when we wrestle with God. It goes from being the God that I knew, the God that I heard Leah talk about, the God that I heard Joshua talk about, to being the God that I know personally. Sometimes you just got to wrestle with the Lord. And that's where I was. I wrestled with the Lord. It's okay. It is in wrestling God, intimacy is cultivated. I wrestled with God this week. Church, have you? Have you ever wrestled with God? I hope you have. I hope you've wrestled with God. I hope you're not afraid to wrestle with God. I hope you're not afraid to ask God the difficult questions. Because when you walk away, I promise you, you will be changed. God's going to win. Yes, God's going to win. God's going to pin you. There's no competition. <laughs> But it's a pin in love. It's a, when you're pinned, you walk away knowing your frailty and his mightiness. And it's a great place to be. I encourage you, if you're walking through disappointment, if you don't understand something, get in a closet. Get along with God. Just you and him and his word and wrestle with him. And don't come out of that closet until you know he's good. Don't come out of that closet until you have a revelation that you're loved. Don't come out of that closet until you have a revelation. It's going to be okay. We can fill our fields, but we fill our fields with hope. We wrestle with God. We don't wrestle with God from a standpoint of not understanding that he's sovereign and not understanding that he's good. We wrestle with him from that point that he is sovereign, that he is good, that he does love us. It's okay to wrestle with God. Number three. So we're going to, it's okay to feel your feels. 
and it's okay to wrestle with God. Number three, walk with Jesus to a place, to a place of health. John eleven thirty three. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her, also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. And in um, thirty five, Jesus wept. And then he and Mary together walked back to the tomb. And that scene is just pierced in my head. Jesus and Mary walking along a path for two miles. Mary's crying. Jesus is crying. And they're walking back to the tomb where God is about to do a mighty healing. Sometimes we have to walk to our healing. Healing is a process sometimes. I want to be healed immediately. But sometimes it's a process. And it's okay if your healing takes time. It's okay if your healing is not instantaneously. Doesn't mean God loves you any less. It means there's something deep that he needs to heal in your heart. And we have to walk back to that place of healing. I love charismatic experiences, don't you? I love when I pray for people and I see them healed instantly. Oh, I love that. I was in Mexico and we prayed for a girl and, and uh, we could just instantly see her eyesight restored. It was amazing. I have it on my Facebook page. It's amazing. But sometimes healing is not like that. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes healing comes after walking two miles in your grief, clinging to Jesus. When I was thinking about this, one of the things the Lord told me is that as in charismatic movements, we love the impartation of gifts, right? We want, we want people to come up and pray for us and we're healed and we're whole and, and we fall out in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and we get gifts of prophecy. We love all of that. But let me tell you something that can't be imparted character character cannot be imparted and you know how we get character go to that other slide I think you have Romans 5 character is, ne- is developed not important and, and Romans 5 3 and 4 says this even in times of trouble we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance and patient endurance will refine our character and proving character leads us back to hope. If you're walking through a disappointment, God doesn't waste anything. If you're walking through that disappointment, we've got to ask the Lord, how do you want to develop my character through this? Let me tell you something, a prayer that you don't hear anybody praying. We hear people praying for gifts and more gifts, but how about we pray this? Lord, give me gifts and then give me the character to sustain the gifts you've given me. Because too often we have the gifts with no character. That's why there's so much church hurt. Because we have gifts, we can pray for you, we can lay hands on you, but I can't come to see you when you're sick. Let's pray for both the gifts and the character. And sometimes that developing of that character is walking 
two miles just clinging to Jesus because character is developed in the quiet place character is developed where nobody sees you character is developed when you're in the parking lot nobody's looking and you choose to put your basket back where it belongs that's where character is developed <laughs> character that word character in the Greek means to prove to try it means trusting trustiness it means to become to a place where people can trust you when you say you're going to do what you're going to do right now as a pastor I, I promise you this has been my prayer Lord I want to be a person that people can trust I want to be a pastor that does what I say I'm going to do. But most importantly, I want to be a pastor that hears your voice and follow you. I want to pastor people. I don't want a position. I don't want a title. I don't want an audience. I want to pastor people in love. Because I never want, I never want anyone to experience what I'm experiencing now. Walk with Jesus to healing. Again, as charismatics, we like to put on our church face and say, hey, it's all okay when it's not okay. Because for some reason, we've gotten this idea that if I'm not okay, then I don't have faith. Let me just tell you, nobody in this room has more faith than I have, but I am not okay. Walk the miles necessary to find true healing. Walk the miles needed to let your pain develop your character. Number four, expect a resurrection. When Jesus was talking to these women, they expected a resurrection. They just didn't know what it looks like. I, I encourage you to expect a resurrection. Expect good is going to come out of your pain. Expect that the Lord will use what's going on with you for his good. He's, that's his word. He said it. God works all things together for our good. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm wearing two different shoes. Did you notice that? Is it not bothering you? I, I had to sneak out of the house because if my husband saw this, he's got this thing for symmetry. It would like explode at his head, you know, like she can't go out like that. But I'm wearing two different shoes because this is a prophetic statement. It's a prophetic statement. Will, come here. Read my shoe. What's on the left side of my shoe? God is good. What's on the right side of my shoe? God is love. God is love. That's where I'm standing. I am literally standing between those truths. I'm literally standing in those truths, symbolically. God is good and God is love. Those are the two truths that we have to hold on to when we're feeling disappointment. Disappointed. Because I'm walking it out. I'm walking it out. Those, every step I take, I am saying, I don't understand, Lord, right now, but I know you're good. I don't understand. Oh. <laughs> I'll start back here. I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but I know God is good. I feel sad right now, but I know God loves me. And with every step I take, I am walking in that truth. God is good and God is love. Expect a resurrection. Expect God to do something good for you. You know, when I was at 
Brian's funeral. God didn't do things my way. I wanted Brian healed and home. And God didn't do things my way. I thought that was how God was going to reach his family. But when I was at the funeral, I heard just these wonderful tales of a man who loved his children, who encouraged me to be a better person, who encouraged me to be a better parent and and hopefully one day a better grandparent by the way he parented his children. Did you know that my friend Brian had stage four cancer and died and the entire time he was pain free? That was an answer to prayer. Do you know that while when his wife would pray for something, she would be in need and she would pray and that answer, it would be answered immediately. And those stories were told at his future, at his funeral, at his future, I like that better. (laughs) At his funeral and people heard those stories and they were encouraged. And those stories were, were said in front of his Buddhist son. I believe God was penetrating hearts. I believe God was answering my prayers. It's just not the way that I thought he would answer them. Do you know the weekend that I was supposed to go spend with my daughter, that Ottawa had a record-breaking snow, so much snow that they closed schools. Anybody from Canada know they don't close schools like we close schools. So if there was enough snow to close, you know how much snow that had to have been? There was so much snow that the the government told people, if you go out in this snow and get stuck, we're going to send you a bill. (laughs) That's how much snow there was. It was God's protection that I couldn't go that weekend. It didn't turn out the way that I wanted, but it was for my good. So the good news is this, the resurrection is coming. In the middle of the disappointment, we must cling and stand and firm in these two truths. God is good and I am loved. The first Sunday of January, I stood at that mic and I said, the Lord was giving me back my dreams and my plans. And the first month of of January has made me re-question that. But I cannot allow, I refuse to allow the enemy to steal my dreams and my plans. I refuse, I refuse it. I believe God is good. I believe God is love. And I am going to plan and dream again in God, despite what I see. Here's the bad news. I'm almost done. Here's the bad news about the resurrection. If you go to the um, next slide. Um, the ne- go ahead. Remember this when you dream. Yep, it didn't mess up, but that's okay. Your resurrection may not come in four days like Lazarus did. It may not come in four days. It may not come in four weeks. It may not come in four months. It may not come in four years, but it's coming. It may not look like what you thought, but it's coming. It just may look differently than you thought. It may involve hard work. Oh my gosh, we're charismatics. We don't want to hear that. It may involve, I think it's interesting that Jesus raised this man from the dead, but he told the people, you roll away the stone. God has a resurrection for you, but it may require some work from you. It may require some hard work. And the fourth thing, it may require you to remove your clothes of death. What do I mean by that? 
You have to remove, we have to know who you are in Christ. You have to stand on your identity in Christ. You are not a victim. You are not a widow. You are not a mom of a child who has turned away. You are a promise of a resurrection is what you are. And we walk in that. We cannot allow our past disappointments to define us. We cannot. So you need to remove those grave clothes. You need to remove the idea of who you think you are. You have to remove the idea of who you were in the past and walk in who God has called you to be in the future. I'm a pastor. This week I wanted to throw away that title. This month I wanted to throw away that title. I can't because it's who God has called me to be. Throw away your grave clothes. And last but not least. So let's recap. It's okay to feel your feels. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay if your healing takes a while to come. I forgot the fourth one. And I was just saying. It's okay to dream again. again. Thank you. And the last one, which proves my point, we need to grieve in community. There's a temptation like I had. I had the, the, the temptation to pull the covers over my head, to lock my doors, to pretend like none of you existed. But God says, you have to grieve in community. I need you. You need me. It's self-preservation to avoid pain. But when we grieve outside of our tribe, you're my tribe. Did you know you were my tribe? I have called you. I have adopted you. You're my peeps. <laughs> Sorry. We have, when we grieve outside of our tribe, we set ourselves up for failure. We set ourselves up to be a target of the enemy. Because when I'm outside of my tribe, I can think some crazy things. And I need people, like I called Leah this week or last week or sometime. I need her to tell me, yeah, you going back to hope, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to say the church. <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> we need our people. I need you. You need me. We need to grieve together. When you're in disappointment, don't run away. Don't let the enemy lure you into walking out there by yourself because he's luring you out there by yourself so he can kill, steal, and destroy. We need each other. Lazarus' friends, notice they were part of his resurrection. His friends had to move the stone away. His friends had to remove his grave clothes. I kind of see that, and I wanted to put this up here, but it was after I sent you the slides. I don't know if you watched The Incredibles, the first Incredible. And the character Edna and uh, uh, Elastigirl was complaining about all of this. And Edna just took out her pills and said, you are Elastigirl. Know who you are. That's what we need our church to do. We need our church to take papers and knock up us outside the head and say, you are a child of God. Know who you are. Walk in and stand in it. Don't let something, um, this disappointment that you feel is still your joy. Don't let it steal your, your, your destiny. Don't let it steal who God has called you to be. I need you for that. And I am happy to do it for you. <laughs> we need each other for that. Friends, it's okay to be disappointed as Christians. We just can't live there. 
What we do, is there the other slide there, the last one? Yes. This is our recipe. I told you I want to give you points to be healed. This is your recipe. This is what you're going to walk out. We're going to cry. We're going to wrestle. We're going to heal. We're going to dream. We're going to connect. And then we're going to do it all over again. And we're going to keep on doing it until we find a place of healing. And sometimes, just like in my situation, I thought, hey, I'm good. I've walked through this. I've, I've, I've made amends with it. And then, bang, something happened and knocks me back on my butt. And I got to go through it again, but that's okay. I'm going to keep on doing it because I refuse. I absolutely refuse to walk in this pain forever. I refuse, I absolutely refuse to be in a place where I can't trust people. That's not the way I want to live my life. I refuse it, so I'm going to keep doing this, and I invite you to do it with me. I want to pray for you. I want to, we're going to pray if you need prayer individually. We're, I'm more than happy to pray with you, but I want to bless you. I am a priest. Don't get excited because you are too. It's not a big deal. The Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. And part of the job of the priesthood is to bless people. And so I want to bless you. So I'm going to read this over you. You can close your eyes. You can stand up. I just want you to be in a posture of receiving. I don't want you to hear this as Melissa speaking this over to you. I want you to hear it as the priest of God speaking it over you. Okay? So just receive this with me. You want to just play softly enough? Okay. So just receive. May the Lord God Almighty comfort and console you. May he grant you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. May he clothe you with garments of praise and remove the spirit of heaviness. May you be strengthened as oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord. May your past be repaired, even desolations from generations past. May the Lord give you double honor instead of shame. May he grant you wisdom where there is confusion. May everlasting joy be yours. May you celebrate and shout because of the Lord your God. He has adorned you with ornaments and decorated you with jewels. Lord God, cause righteousness to spring.